Yeah, Marcus Potter here, one of the top teachers in the game when it comes to the putter, just specifically to the putter. That's what he's going to be doing here. That's what this podcast uh, is going to be all about. Back from TPC Craig's Ranch. Ranch. Did you see, what was it, 60? 12 under par by Sebastian Munoz. You see that out there? I knew 25 under one last year, but I was honestly shocked to see a 60 out there this year. Even walking the golf course Monday through Wednesday, it's like you don't see a 12 under par out there. Mm -hmm. You don't see 900 par out there, but those guys are good. Yeah, they are good. And um, they're going to have to make some putts heading into the weekend. Not a lot of wind, it looks like, today and tomorrow, but the wind's going to pick up a little on Sunday. Of course, the PGA Championship is next week. All right, we're going to get into some putting specifics here um, in a second and try to give all of you at home some things to think about as you head into the weekend. We get a lot of DMs. I know you get way more than I do when it comes to putting on, you know, I'm pulling it, I'm pushing it, distance control, maybe centeredness of contact. We're going to get to all that. But first, lessons in here. We've got the Quintex system. Tell the viewers what this is all about and how your experience works. So, Bought the Quintic in December of 2020, so going on two years of kind of learning on it, getting better with setting this thing up. And it's the one machine for putting that you actually don't attach anything to the putter. You just have two little stickers, so there's no extra weight included. And it independently measures the golf club and ball. So what I like about that is you're putting with something that's not heavier. There's no extra weight involved. And it also is going to give you an independent measurement of what that ball is actually doing and what the putter is doing separately, which some of them, Sam Putt Lab particularly, kind of predicts the launch. It's kind of a guess in a sense, which isn't necessarily bad. But this thing's you're actually seeing what the golf ball is doing coming off of your putter. And that's been a huge help for me as a teacher, just kind of learning more and more about kind of launch, spin, face angle at impact. Those have been kind of the main things, as well as acceleration that this measures. Mm-hmm. And as he comes over here, so you're seeing right now, you're seeing a little bit of the camera and the light bar here just to kind of be able to see what's going on in the impact zone and as the ball rolls by. And if you come over to the computer here, what you'll see and what kind of the data you're going to be learning here from. And the main things I'm paying attention to is pre-impact acceleration. So this was a putt I hit a little bit ago. I'm always typically very constant, which is for most people what you're looking for. A lot of amateurs, you're going to see a lot of red in there. It's going to be a lot of acceleration. The next thing would be face angle at impact. Are you returning it to where you aligned it? Some people are going to line up a little open, maybe close it at impact, and that's something you'll learn about as you I know that's get true. on this. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so this last putt I hit, I launched it a little too high. Mm-hmm. They want between 0.75 and 2 degrees of launch, and that goes into shaffling at impact, loft on your putter, setup, all plays a huge factor in that. And then cut spin, hook spin, back spin, forward spin kind of learning about what your stroke does to kind of put different spin on it and how your ball's rolling. Mm-hmm. So this one was very neutral, not necessarily the best roll, but it would still be okay. But that's kind of what you're learning about all this, and it's been incredible to actually kind of be able to put numbers to what I've been seeing over the last couple of years. So in here, we've got like a 10 to 15-foot putt, right? And that's kind of your baseline straight yeah. putt that you're going to be kind of working off of to get an idea of, their stroke characteristics, how it makes up. And then from there, you start making some adjustments and then kind of quantifying it through the numbers per se. Yeah, the best way that you'll be able to see it with people that come take lessons from me here is I'll have you hit about 10, 15 putts where I won't say anything. I'll just kind of have you warm up a little bit, hit these putts, we'll get a baseline number. And then from there, I'll kind of make adjustments as I see necessary, whether it be setup, kind of putter, might have to de-loft it, add loft or whatever it is. 
And then after we've kind of made those adjustments, we'll reconfirm by hitting more putts at the end on this and seeing what's changed, what's different, and what we can kind of learn from that. So let's talk about the face angle as we head into the weekend here. Um, I would think, let me guess here, for a right-handed player, you've, you've looked at more putting strokes than I have. For a right-handed amateur player, is a push or a pull more common? I honestly would say it's very 50-50 for okay. the average amateur because a lot of it goes back to the initial setup, where people are set up. Sometimes you'll get guys that have way too much forward shaft lean where they're kind of like this, and that's mm -hmm. going to actually kind of promote them turning it over, mm -hmm. or guys that are kind of on their back foot, kind of leaving it out, kind of almost falling back on it more, which just leaves that face open, okay. kind of pushes it out. But that's kind of where what we were talking about earlier, kind of getting in terms of people – to be able to square that face more consistently, you gotta get into a better setup. And one of my favorite drills, something we were kind of just talking about earlier is, mm -hmm. it's just getting into your normal setup and then dropping your right foot back. Cause a lot of people would not be able to do that instantly cause they'd be too much on their back foot. And so they couldn't drop that back. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a good spot with your setup where you're kind of very neutral with weight, you should be able to just kind of drop that thing back and be able to make a consistent stroke that keeps you on top of it. Because a lot of people kind of have too much movement. And by doing this drill here, you're feeling a lot of your weight stacked up here, which just kind of allows you to let that putter swing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's honestly one of the biggest things for amateurs is if they're going to be able to be more stable over it, the putter's going to naturally swing itself a little better. Okay. So if you take your setup there facing the camera, go ahead and grab the ball too. Like where yeah. do you see, and I, and I know like every stroke's a little different, but just kind of generally speaking, ball position. So... It's very, that goes back to a little bit of the setup as well, where okay. this kind of becomes a big thing because I like looking at ball position based off of people's head and everyone's going to be a little different. Some people might be more bent. Some people might be more this way, but what I've found that's kind of pretty neutral along everyone is anywhere from like left cheek to left ear, anything directly below that is typically a good spot because a lot of the time you'll get guys that have it too far back here. And if you look at that, that's kind of off my right cheek here versus a good spot it's going to be more middle up than anything mm -hmm. but that's typically for most people assuming a good weight distribution is going to fall between left cheek and left ear what have you found on tour because you work with a lot of tour players as far as weight distribution is it mainly a little bit forward in the stance would yeah, you say definitely more and kind of going back to this drill here where dropping this mm -hmm. foot back it gets you on your left side. Mm -hmm. Kind of this, that's kind of a short game thing in general. I yeah. feel like chipping too, you don't really necessarily want to be on your back foot. Yeah. Everything kind of wants to be on your front foot. And that's, I would say, applies to putting as well. What's a, like the conventional putting grip? Like if, when, you, when I look at your grip, go ahead and put your hands on there. Yeah, so obviously yeah. I'm using a round grip here, which is very unusual for a putter. Uh, but I would say reverse overlap is very much the most conventional grip here, where mm -hmm. it's just kind of, putting your left index finger either some people do it over that or mm -hmm. that I kind of mm -hmm. go over the second one mm -hmm. gets my hands more on top of it but there's a lot of guys that are just going over that some people do interlock it's not very common but I've had great putters that have come to me using interlock wouldn't necessarily recommend that for most people but by yeah. far for just an average conventional grip it's reverse overlap so drop that down and look at the front the front view of that when I zoom in here I notice your right hand is kind of down the side. I find a lot of players get that right hand very much on top. So that's kind of something that I've, it's kind of like this almost, you mm -hmm. want your hands kind of almost inward. 
And then from there, it's just doing that. Okay. Anytime the hands get more like that, they can go either way. Mm. And this here, it kind of almost gets in fit. It's going to keep that face more square. And all you got to do is that. That's another reason why I like this round grip. Mm -hmm. It's because I can almost kind of turn my hands under and get that grip how I want. Yeah. And for those listening on audio, you know, you, if you want to see the video, go check it out on the YouTube channel. But you can also see these clips on my Instagram at Travis Fulton Golf. And, of course, Marcus is Marcus underscore at pot, Marcus underscore Potter's. Potter's underscore putting. Uh, so I pretty much butchered that. <laughs> Say that one more time. Potter's underscore putting on Instagram. There we go. Sorry. It's my first day. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can check out some of those videos there. And what he's doing is his, when he grips it, he's, his palms are kind of towards the sky, you know, really underneath versus the palms, say, down to the ground, underneath, like you were holding a baby. That kind of rolls your elbows inward. inward yeah. 100%. Yeah. Gets more connection there. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, to me, allows everything more to work as one, yeah. as opposed to kind of just the hands go in or just the arms go in. Everything's going to kind of work more as one. What do you find, what do you like that powers the stroke? Like, you know, I would say, let me, let me take it back to 22 years ago, coming into the business. It was, it was rock the shoulders, right? <laughs> I mean, how yeah. many times... Did we read and hear that, right? Rock the shoulders. And rock implies the shoulders are kind of going up and down. Mm -hmm. Yay, nay? No. Okay. I mean, and again, it kind of goes back to how you interpret it too. Okay. Because, but that's how most people would interpret it is rocking the shoulders would be mm -hmm. kind of like that, which is going to get your body kind of going out of sync here. Mm -hmm. It's honestly more of rotation than anything. Okay. But that's kind of where... I feel like the stroke gets interesting because everyone's going to feel kind of the power through something different. A lot of putters that I know, they kind of feel it through one specific area, whether it be like when I'm gripping it, the thing I care about is when, when I know my setups in a good spot, if I move my left forearm back and keeping the same structure I have, that's going to get everything for me kind of moving together as opposed to I've had moments in time where I felt like my hands kind of started the stroke and that got things out of sync. Mm -hmm. And versus kind of if I can feel like everything's in a good setup and this left forearm kind of keeps that same structure, it's going to allow for that stroke to just kind of function how I want, which mm -hmm. kind of goes into the next thing about powering the stroke and for controlling speed. Yeah. The thing I care about, and I'll talk about this with almost every player I've worked with, is grip pressure. doesn't necessarily matter what grip pressure you have. The thing I care about is maintaining that consistent grip pressure through the stroke. Mm. So if you're a three, you need to stay with that three throughout the stroke. If you're a seven, you need to stay with that seven throughout the stroke because that's going to keep that tempo really constant, mm. whether it be a more up-tempo, kind of a little firmer grip pressure or a yeah. little softer with a slower tempo. And that's kind of one thing I've been able to prove on the Quintic is when I've had guys, all right, all I want you to think about is just maintaining consistent grip pressure. Mm. Their acceleration becomes very constant. Versus, all right, now grip this one tighter coming through, and you really see the difference where it starts to show the acceleration coming through. Would you find that we were talking before we came on that um, there's a lot of different types of stroke profiles that you're seeing out on tour? Um, as we see different swings, right? We, you, can, you can certainly see different patterns. But let's talk about like the ratio of the stroke. Are you seeing more guys take it back, say, shorter and then longer through or are you seeing more guys take it back a little longer and shorter through it's definitely longer and shorter through okay. longer back shorter through yeah 
something Brad Faxon, if you go on his Instagram, you mm -hmm. would see he's talked a lot about where he's like, I want to see a longer backstroke and a shorter follow through. He's gotten that a lot from Crenshaw. But going back to the Quintic, if you measure people where they have a short backstroke, long follow through, you're going to see a ton of acceleration mm -hmm. versus the other way. Almost if they go too long going back, coming through, it's going to be more on the deceleration side, mm -hmm. which is actually going to allow them to kind of control constant. Yeah. So that's going to be better. Speed's kind of a good example where he's super fast going back, but he actually does have a big backstroke. Jordan. Jordan Speed. Yeah. And then coming through, he's super constant. Mm -hmm. And he's one of, if not the best in yeah. terms of speed control on tour. And that goes back to, he just knows exactly how that speed's going to come off that ball. PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, there's a lot of people that probably just listen to that, that most players take it back and on tour a little longer and shorter throw. Right. So we'll call it two to one ratio. It doesn't have to be exactly two to one, yeah. but the idea is a little longer back, shorter through versus shorter back, longer through. I can, and, but yet there's, we know there's examples on both yeah. sides. Like there's, there's certainly examples on both sides that might be a little shorter back, longer through, like a Jason Day, perhaps, who might mm -hmm. have a more of an acceleration coming through versus a speed, as you mentioned, is more of a, I like constant. to say, a cruise control, yeah. constant 100%. coming through. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing where it's like, it goes back into a little bit of their personality, mm. but like Brant Snedeker would be a great example of, he's actually more constant than people realize. He's just a super fast constant. Yeah. He's the same back and through. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just equals, that's where his speed control comes from is he knows yeah. exactly what he's going to do. Cause it's just a repeated constant tempo. Let's talk about the path a second. Act like you're going to hit it yeah. towards your logo there. Let's say right now we've got some people going out and they know they take the putter head too far outside. The putter okay. head goes out and then across like a slice putt. Yeah. Is there anything you would do at address that would encourage more of an inside takeaway? So typically the first thing you're going to see is the shoulders are pretty open or the hips are open with these people. And that's obviously just going to promote the putter going that way. Mm -hmm. So kind of, again, this is why I like this drill where you drop that right foot back so much. Cause if you do that, it's going to be very hard and you're going to feel it if that putter does that because this naturally gets the hips kind of closed more than mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. And it's going to kind of help the shoulders follow that as well. Cause that's the one thing that I've really learned. Hips and shoulders are going to be kind of one of the main determining factors for where that putter goes and for how much the body can move. Cause if the hips and shoulders are both square to the same line, you're going to have very minimal movement with your upper body excess movement. And it's going to allow that putter to kind of swing more on path, mm -hmm. but to get rid of that out would be kind of, one, to square up with everything, maybe almost even feel a little closed for a bit. Mm. And that's going to naturally allow that putter just to kind of follow that line a little more inside. Do you talk about form alignments with the putter shaft? Uh, see, that's something I'm not necessarily different on from a lot of people, but I don't think it has to go up the forearms. Okay. I think if it does, totally fine. Like, I'm pretty positive that I do not do that if I had a guess right now. And I think Tiger's a little different where he's a little more under. Depends on how flat you get with your putter. Yeah. Guys that have lower hands like that, right. it's not going to happen. Yeah. But a lot of guys that kind of have putters that are kind of more 71, 
it's going to kind of fit naturally more in there. Okay. And length of putter plays a factor in that as well. Right. And and do you find that most amateurs, if you had to say you stand too close or too far from it, what would you? Too far. Stand too far. They're too far. Kind of like that, I would mm-hmm. say. And most people in my online lessons, and that kind of goes back to where well, there's no connection from here. Yeah. So the putter can just go yeah. all over the place mm-hmm. versus if you get up on top of it where a lot of the best players are, you're going to notice that everything's just going to kind of follow your path more. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just going to help people a lot. So we wanted to work on an arc. It's not straight back, straight through. It's, it's definitely working on an arc. Rocking the shoulders, not so much. It's a subtle turn. And these elbows and the way you're gripping it certainly are promoting that. Do you ever use the word release? Is that a word that comes across your discussion with players? Let the putter head release. I think that's something that should happen naturally. Okay. I don't think you should have to think about that unless there is conscious issues with the hand action mm-hmm. where like Andrew Landry, when him and I started working together, his hand action wasn't in the best spot. So we were, we were consciously working on hand action Okay. in terms of we wanted him to feel a little lag coming through because mm-hmm. his hands were kind of almost staying back a little bit. Yeah. And that was kind of the only time I'm really going to talk about hand action really. Cause I think that for the most part, if the body's in a good spot, if everything's in a good spot, the hand action's going to follow that. Yeah. But occasionally you'll get guys where their hand actions, their hands are just overtaking it. And mm-hmm. that's where you'll see guys go to the claw, kind of the yeah. two thumb grip, whatever it is. And kind of from there, it's just building that hand action. And then you don't have to think about release. Like mm-hmm. when you're out on the golf course, I don't want people to think about stroke. I don't want yeah. people to think about it. It's just like Steph Curry shooting a basketball. He's not thinking about form as he's going. Up. Right. It's just very natural and athletic. All right, so let me demonstrate a stroke here. I want, to, I want you to give these people a fix because I know there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> this was my miss in college, right? I'll demonstrate looking face on here. So my miss in college was I would hit a putt and I would get the little hang on. Okay. You know, and I think a lot of it was because I would, I would tend to shut it a little bit, but I would come through and I would just kind of get the, just a little kind of draggy. Yeah. And of course, when you do that and you get that little hang on and you're putting it towards the hole, you know, we call that the, we call that the push and go, because as soon as you hit it, you know, you missed it, right? It's like, (laughs) it has no chance. You know, you miss it. It, As soon as you hit it, you hang on. You didn't let the putter head, putter face square up Mm -hmm. because you were like, in my mind, it was always, I was kind of manufacturing. Okay. Yep. So what do you think for them that kind of hang on a little bit? So for that kind of... I mean, obviously that would kind of play into the release a little bit. And for people for that, this is kind of a drill Tiger's done forever. You can do this both right-handed and left-handed, but it kind of goes back to some one-handed putting more than mm-hmm. anything to kind of feel that putter actually release mm-hmm. without consciously having to do it. So what I like people doing for this is gripping it normally so that your hands are going to stay in the same spot. Because a lot of the time, if people are going to grip putt it one-handed and their right hand's down here, let's say, grip it up here which changes the entire swing of the putter Mm -hmm. so i want you to just keep that hand in the same spot but then the big thing kind of another tiger thought here is wherever this is pointed so if this is pointed to your belly button or whatever that's kind of tiger's feel it should kind of stay pointed to that belly button throughout Mm -hmm. the stroke and that's going to be something that naturally allows that to kind of release versus if you do that yeah that thing's pointed out there now and it's not kind of here it's not necessarily something that I want everyone to think about yeah. on course, but that's kind of the feeling of wherever this thing's pointed at on your body, it should kind of stay pointed to that same point throughout mm-hmm. the stroke. And same thing left-handed. You can do this left-handed as well for people that kind of feel it more in their left hand. 
where it's just you want to everything to kind of work down the line where it should, but this should always be kind of pointing to the same spot on your body. How about this one? I get, I have a couple students that get to be defensive putters, good players, and it's almost like they they can't get out of their own way. They get too defensive. They get to where they can't get it to the hole. You know, it's almost like they're they're not trying to make a putt that yeah. they should be trying to make. Now, in longer putts, they usually usually are good distance control and they can lag it up there. But on a fifteen footer, they're just they're just not they're not trying to make putt. They're too defensive. Is there anything you would say or show them that would like, hey, here's how we can get more aggressive? to pick the speed up of the putter head to get it there. And so that's kind of something where it's when guys get in funks on tour, that can happen. Yeah. Where they're just like, they're just not feeling confident from that range. And it's like, they just don't feel like anything's going to go in. And that's kind of where you almost change your idea of what you're doing here, as opposed to kind of trying to make it necessarily. You're trying to, trying to roll it over a spot with a specific speed. Mm-hmm. You kind of change your intent, I would say, is the best way to do it. Some guys that start leaving it short. Can you see the hole on this one here? Yeah, back up. Almost as if, so if you're putting to this hole from 15 feet, you want to almost envision that this is the hole. You need to add more space behind it because these some of these guys, it's almost like this is the wall and they can't go off that. Or it's like a cliff here. And if they put it past it, like fall off the cliff, it's right. kind of like almost the feeling of it where it's like, okay, let's extend that out. And this is our back zone yeah. here until we can hit it all the way to here. And that kind of is the big thing where people are almost putting too much to the point mm-hmm. and not kind of thinking about the speed that they want with it. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's one of the biggest things where it's like, if you're here, as opposed to thinking this is a 10 foot putt, you almost just like, okay, I've got a 12 foot putt now. And then with the break in there, you're kind of like, Oh, I'm trying to roll it over this portion. Yeah. Get a little less specific. And right. I would say that's honestly probably one of my best advices for people with green reading mm. would be, you want to be less specific than you think you need to be. Mm. I can't tell you how many of the best putters on tour are trying to roll it over half that half of that. Yeah. They're not trying to get their line perfect. I mean, a lot of guys I've heard use a line just to general alignment. They're not kind of going dead set on where that line is. But a bunch of different guys are like, I'm just trying to roll it over the left side of this little mark here. And I think that kind of opens it up because the hole is three and a half inches big. And based off the speed that you have, there's so many different lines it can go into. And so when you get too specific, I think that gets people kind of locked in a little too much and yeah. it's not freed up versus, okay, if I can just roll it over the left side of that with two, one to two feet by speed, it's probably going to go in. Yeah. When would you tell someone to go left hand low or lead hand low? It's like, you know, they're, they're struggling putting and they come to you and they're like, man, should I consider going left hand low to help maybe what specific type of stroke flaw? So going back to Andrew Landry, when we started, he was kind of the guy that I would say is the hallmark for people that should kind of tend to go that way a little bit where he was again, kind of having his hands stay back Mm -hmm. a little bit. So right hand was kind of passing through. And so for him, when he got a little more left hand low, it allowed him to kind of get that more preset and then it allows him to keep his hands more in front mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of that. Yeah. And I would say that's the kind of person that should consider that. Anyone that lets it get a little too much like that, yeah. it's not allowing kind of the putter to swing properly. Because that's what I would say left-hand load does a great job of, of not letting it kind of break down coming through. And Spieth is a great example yeah. of where Dave Stockton would be kind of an example. He's more right-hand low, obviously. But 
you keep that left hand going more towards the hole, yeah. which kind of is a little opposite of what we were talking about earlier where that stays released. Yeah. But for some people, that's going to be the feeling that's needed to kind of be able to keep that face square and down yeah. the line. And for those that, you know, on his point, if, and I'll kind of step in here, you start striking it low on the face consistently, that left, what he's doing there and that little flip underneath can cause yeah. that. So left hand low can kind of help move that impact point up. 100% to the center of the face, which goes into my next question, which is, you know, when I watch, there's something about great putters and that end point of the stroke, um, where it's that abbreviated, like we talked about earlier, the two to one ratio, but it's like this lower, more abbreviated finish. It's almost like, to me, it's like the analogy is the catcher's mitt. It's like the putter head's coming in at that constant speed and it hits the catcher's mitt and it stops. And it's committed. You, do you like that kind of sensation of an end point of the stroke? Yes and no for some people. Okay. I think for most people, it's going to be pretty helpful because that is one of the things that I'll see very commonly with a lot of my online lessons is the follow through just doesn't have an end point. They just keep going. Mm -hmm. And that's going to kind of lead to acceleration, lead to just bad speed control because they don't know what the stroke's going to really do. So I think the formula for that more than anything is like, just trying to stick and hold that follow through because you don't want that thing to constantly be moving. Everyone's going to have a little bit of a different, you might have a tiny mm -hmm. recoil in there, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I like to telling people, it's like wherever your follow through should stop, just kind of hold that there. Because yeah. if you hold it, you're going to naturally not kind of keep going. Obviously mm -hmm. it's going to kind of naturally find that end point for you. And I, I'm big on people kind of finding things naturally. Yeah. And as opposed to kind of, okay, it needs to stop here. Yeah. Just like wherever it should stop, like, cause everyone's got a point where like, okay, like I feel like it should stop here, but I just keep going. Mm -hmm. And everyone's going to naturally find that point. And some people it's going to be a little longer than others. And some people it's going to be much shorter than others. Like I'm working with two guys right now. Andrew Landry's the one where mm -hmm. he's kind of more where you're talking about where he hits the ball and then it goes a little further and it stops. And he's second on tour right now and outside of 25 feet. And that's what he's been doing. His speed control has been amazing. He's made mm. a bunch of putts over 25 feet just as a result of his speed being so good this year. What about head? Let's talk about the head position here for a second. Common mistake for those, you hit a putt and your head backs up. Yep. So for a right-handed player, again, those listening, you hit it, your right ear goes towards your right shoulder you back up from the putt and when we do that we know we can hit it low on the face we can miss hit it push it big blocks yep what do you kind of what do you kind of look for there and to help them stay more left per se it's going back to the thing we've talked yeah. about a lot with this right foot back that's everything mm -hmm. because this is going to force you to stay here because if you fall yeah. You have no weight back here, so you're going to fall back. Do that face in the camera once so they can see that left foot forward, yeah. Yeah, so if you can just stay here, it's going to help you because obviously if you kind of have any of that, you're going to instantly feel yeah. that you kind of dip down onto that side. And that's why this drill is so good for so many different reasons. It's a great way to just kind of naturally get that putter swinging. It helps eliminate the out, but the big thing is it gets you stable over it. And so you can just kind of get that putter swinging without really having too much conscious effort in there. Are there times where it's like, gosh, I'm hitting a lot of good putts and they're just not going in and the panic sets in where it's like, I need to be doing something different. And the reality is you're just, you maybe just need to kind of run the course a little bit. Right. Yeah. And there's this, I always say in golf, like there's this bell curve 
And if you're a 10 handicap, you um, let's just keep it easy here. Like you're going to shoot a lot of 82s and you're going to shoot a lot of 83s and 84s and 81s. You know, in the middle of that bell curve is all these low 80s. But then it kind of, then it, then it tapers off on both ends. And what it means is you can shoot 85, 86, 87, probably an occasional 88. You know, you're not going to shoot as many 88s as you are 82s. Yeah. But also on the other side of the bell curve, you're capable of shooting 79, 78. There's gonna, probably going to be a 77 that sneaks in there. Yeah. And that's your bell curve. Like you're a 10, you have the capability of all those things to happen. And of course, sometimes it's just, it's putting, like just making putts, mm -hmm. right? Not free putting. Right. So it's like, I'm not making anything, but it, it, do I need to change or, I, but I'm hitting good putts. They're just not going in. You just have to be patient. And, and that's the hardest thing, especially for guys on tour that are trying to do this for a living is yeah. when they're like everything, I'm, I'm doing everything right and it feels good, but I'm making nothing. <laughs> and it's the hardest thing to say, but it's the thing you need to say is like, if that's the case, then you're doing something right. Mm -hmm. And if you keep doing these things right, that will change. Yeah. Cause like when people start telling me, they're like, oh, like I'm hitting really good putts and I'm, I'm burning edges. I'm lipping out a lot. That means the, it's been narrowed in a little bit. And if you keep doing what you're doing, it's just going to keep getting narrowed in. And those lip outs are going to kind of start to turn mm -hmm. into lip ins and then they're going to start going in. And that's kind of where within putting, it's so result oriented where like you either make or miss. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. You, you can't hit the fairway and hit a 300 yard drive. You either make the putt or you miss the putt. It doesn't, there's no other definition for it. And you kind of have to turn it into, I hit a good putt. I did what I wanted to do. And from there, it's out of your control. Like one of my favorite things, you're starting to see a bunch of these videos. If you guys are on Instagram where people are using perfect putters or ramps for golf balls and mm -hmm. setting up about 20, 25 feet, rolling them from the exact same spot on the same line of five golf balls. And one of them goes in. Yeah. That's greens are imperfect. Yeah. Same thing out on the PGA tour where these guys have the best conditions in the world and the greens are not always going to roll the exact same because they're just imperfect surfaces. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. What would you, Let's finish with this here. Let's, there's some people right now listening, thinking to themselves, man, I've tried it. I've tried a lot of things. I'm a bad putter, or there's others that have been putting maybe a certain way and they're considering, I, I need to blow this thing up and start over. Like, at what point would you say to someone, look, I'm going to pretty much kind of change everything. <laughs> like, it's time to blow it up. And, and let's say, per se, create a new chapter mentally yeah. where there's no history. I think where it's like, obviously there's mental hurdles there where guys are like, I've, I've made nothing for five, six years right. and I'm putting, putting conventional. Yeah. It's probably time to maybe change the putter yeah. and try a different grip. Kind of like you were saying where it's a total refresh mm -hmm. and you can kind of get them going. But I think a lot of the thing that sometimes people don't get is it's uh, for me, putting is a lot of focus repetition. And so I think anyone can kind of overcome bad history of stuff and improve on it based off of one seeing a lot of putts go in knowing what they're doing but i would say kind of the first thing would be are you changing just because you can't figure it out or mm -hmm. it hasn't worked or like you're actually have a mental demon in there that you can't get over and that's totally fine too because there's going to be guys that need to try something totally different but the one thing i would say is kind of spend time where spend some time where you're making yourself make 55 footers in a row do that every day for a little bit and kind of see how that goes. It could be inside. It could be on a real green, but I think that kind of repetition is so big for people where like 
seen the ball go in over mm-hmm. and over again. Because I think a lot of putting practice for amateurs specifically is kind of unstructured, obviously, because they don't necessarily know what to do. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of hitting miscellaneous 20, 15, 30 footers where percentage on those for tour players, I mean, 15 feet for a tour player is 20%. So anything outside of that, I think anything outside 20 feet, the average tour player is going to make 5%. Mm. So if outside you're hitting, of 20, outside feet. of 25 feet, the average tour feet. players has a 5% make rate. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a staggering number. And that's kind of crazy to think about because when amateurs are hitting 30 footers and they're not making anything, they're kind of complaining or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now you think about it, it's like, oh, no one really makes an excessive amount of 30 footers. Other <laughs> right. Jordan Spieth, that 2015, we made 25% or whatever yeah. outside of 25 feet. But it's keeping your putting practice in where you're seeing a lot of putts go in. I think it was Graham McDowell who said, he's like, I want 80% of my putting practice where I'm seeing that ball go in the hole. Mm. And then the other's speed control. Awesome. Yeah, good stuff. All right. So tell everyone here um, how they can get a hold of here. He's moved to the Jacksonville area. He's going to be spending a decent amount of time here yep. in addition to obviously his busy travel schedule. So how do they get a hold of you for those that live in this Northeast Jacksonville area? want to come see you. Uh, so you can email me at putting at gmail.com or direct message me on Instagram. I'm pretty much seeing all those now. Finally, Instagram's kind of showing messages again, but potters underscore putting on Instagram or potters putting at gmail.com is probably the best way to email me. But if you guys can reach out there, I'm in town giving lessons the 16th through the 21st. So if you guys are interested, reach out, but just kind of getting set up here and looking forward to some good time down in Jacksonville. All right. Good stuff. Welcome, man. It's going to be fun. Be a great, uh, great season here. Thanks for joining us. Strike Show Pod. We'll be back next week.